0: That'll be Bernie. Hi. Hi, sorry I'm late. Pollock's up at work again, I fear. Millions down the drain. Well done. Bernie, this is Anna. Hello, Anna. Delighted to meet you. Thank you. Honey Bunny, happy birthday to you. (laughs) Hi, Bella. Hi. Um, it's a hat. I don't have to wear it or anything. I will. Hi. 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 What? Wine buddy. Mm. So, uh, tell me, um, Anna, what do you do? I'm an actress. Oh, splendid. What do you do? Well, I'm actually in the stock market myself, so uh, not really similar fields. <laughs> Though um, um, I have done the old bit of amateur stuff. Um, uh, P.G. Woodhouse, uh, farce, all that, you know. Careful there, <laughs> Always imagined it's a pretty tough job, though, acting. I mean, the wages are a scandal, aren't they? They can be. I see friends from university. Clever chaps. uh, Been in the business longer than you. They're scraping by on seven, eight thousand a year. It's no life. What sort of acting do you do? Films, mainly. Oh, splendid. Oh, well done. How's the pay in movies? Mm, I mean, last film you did. What do you get paid? Fifteen million dollars. Right.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Nightfly Podcast. Hello, my name is Dave Jessica. Welcome to the month, the birthday month, August 2021. Hello. Uh, What is it? August 3rd, 3rd maybe? Tuesday, August 3rd, coming out, coming at you. Beautiful day in New York City. Absolutely perfect, gorgeous, gorgeous, like as if it's September 1st or 3rd, whatever. I mean, it is perfect weather, nice and cool. It could probably have the windows open, but we know that's not going to last. Super sunny, having trouble seeing the screen and the computer, but I'm not going to complain about that. It's nice to have sunlight. So that's that. Uh, hello, everybody. Let's just uh, get the uh, show going, and uh, nice to talk to everybody after a, a very strange week. I, uh, I, oh, I just killed a ladybug in my bedroom i've never seen a ladybug in new york city so i don't even know where it came from i just saw one creeping around and uh, i feel horrible killing You're not supposed to kill ladybugs i think if i remember correctly from the 70s but you know i can't have her hanging around my room it's embarrassing i don't want her to see what i do in here so that that's how i started out today fun times fun times for everybody and they just also today, I'm taping on Saturday, of course, my favorite day to record, no shows today. And like I said last week, and quite frankly, I thought last week's podcast was great. I, you know, I was listening back and just calling everybody out. And you know, what's better? What are podcasts for than if you can't just go off on people? Who doesn't like a good rant? And uh, I, I don't know. I was just like, this is great. Who wouldn't like this podcast? It's exciting. You know, you're know, telling everybody, you're calling people out, you're, you're, you're taking names. What is it? Taking names, kicking ass, taking names. Uh, I don't even feel bad from it. Usually I feel a little bad afterwards or something, but I guess I didn't. So I thought it was a good plan and still I feel maybe I got to get out of comedy. I mean, it's that bad still in my mind. I don't know. Anyway, I do have a show this Thursday, a live show, which if you are the uh, are on the Maggie level, and you happen to be in New York City and want to come to this West Side Comedy Club on the Upper West Side, you can get in for free. That is what I can offer you if you happen to be in New York City. But I'm pretty sure most of our listeners are outside the city, which is so interesting to me and makes me happy. And I've heard multiple times that people like the podcast, the people that do listen. And again, thank you so much for being a Patreon subscriber because I talk about New York City. Who knew that anybody would be interested in what Dave Juskow did in New York City? But I guess it's it's not so much me as it is. I guess people enjoy hearing about New York City as long as you don't live in New York City. I'm pretty sure that's the way I'm going to feel if I if and when I move out. I know I keep saying, I know I I keep threatening, I guess to end the podcast and everybody's good time by leaving. <laughs> They're like, "Well, somebody has to be here to tell us what's going on." So for now, everything's cool. However, this being Saturday, the 31st of taping, apparently tomorrow, the moratorium ends where they can just start evictions. Now, that's what the president of the United States said, which was surprising. He's like, yeah, we're ending it early. It ends in two days. I don't know how you it's kind of rude, but I believe in New York, they're keeping it until September 1st, so. You know, I guess I have one more month left to figure everything out. I mean, everything out. I'm pretty sure the unemployment will end, too. Wow. <laughs> That's, that is wow. So this week I started putting my, my old-fashioned resume together. What am I going to do? I mean, I got to do something, right? I can't just sit around and just die, I guess. I mean, I got to get some sort of work. It's too bad. It's depressing, of course, but what are you going to do? I mean, I just don't want to go back to another job. And I guess if I did, I mean, I guess that would be just the end of there'd be no reason to do comedy anymore. I just wouldn't want the double life. I don't think I I really think I, you know, I I, I would be too old to do both. I I know that maybe it sounds like a cop out, but I mean, you know, I'm almost 60s. It does make sense to just kind of wind it down i guess i don't know i guess we'll see i didn't want to under, uh open on a somber note but it's not it's a like i said it's a beautiful sunny day in new york city we're all having a good time we're going to have a great time today it's going to be a fun podcast brian pinelli from around the rings is going to join us today we're going to talk a little olympic stuff and it's exciting to have somebody like him on he is an olympic reporter and he is going to, I mean, to, to have a guest like that in the middle of the Olympics is almost makes us relevant, which the Nightfly podcast has never been. I mean, when you talk about Charlie's Angels and the six million dollar man every week, you're not really relevant. You're really not a relevant guy. So it's exciting, I guess. And he will regale us with the stories that he's covering from Italy because he's not allowed to go to the Olympics like most reporters or like Bruce Springsteen. You just feel <laughs> what I feel bad for Bruce Springsteen to see his daughter, but I do. You know, somebody brought up a really excellent point on the Billy Joel podcast last week. Oh, what do we got coming up this week on Billy Joel? Um, oh, Elvis Presley Boulevard. That's not going to want to make anybody listen. But then we have everybody has a dream, so that'll be okay. Those are coming up this week on the Billy Joel podcast. Obviously, as you know, I stopped for the time being the Comedy Cellar nightly show. It was a lot of work, and uh, but then I was thinking about it. I'm like, you know, I was getting at least 300 viewers a week. That's pretty good. It just it was a lot of work and no money. If I if only I could figure out a way to you know get some sort of sponsor but i'll retool it i'll probably bring it back because well what else am i doing you know but well, that's something i probably could do while i was working is still continue to do a show like that and and bring on comics and and then possibly remain and i quote relevant but i'm stopping it for at least a month and you know we got to pull that seinfeld the uh, murph griffin show wait, hey, we got to retool we got to come back edgier Uh, we got to feed people tryptophan so they uh, so you can play with their toys and then come back in an all new format that's all seinfeld references but so uh, we had marina on and i had elon on last week and i tried to put mike on the producer and colin of course and it was fun really fun marina's the best i'm doing uh this comes out again on tuesday but after I tape this, I'm doing her. She has a live YouTube show. She does every Saturday at 3 p.m. Very odd timing. I guess she knows what she's doing. She does it every Saturday at three to kind of promote her podcast, which is just so much work. <laughs> Can you imagine if I to promote the Nightfly? We're having a live show. Like, wouldn't that be the Nightfly? Like, wouldn't and doing a live interactive show does sound fun. Of course, I was doing that this whole time, but. I guess, I don't know. I don't know. I'm confused. I got to retool, like I said. Got to figure shit out. Oh, I see. They're paving on the street. I was like, why is this plane keep circling around my building? Oh, they're, pa- they're tarring a, a place down. I can hear it. I know you can't hear it, so you don't have to worry. But Jesus Christ, they're always doing something on this block. Oh, so today I was reading that a Japanese restaurant down on the Lower East Side Tried to do, get this, tried to do a double decker outdoor dining place. You know, those wooden sheds, which is filled up New York City with nonsense and, you know, been impossible to, uh, you know, taking a parking space and stuff. I don't worry about that. It's the cycling and all that stuff that's made it difficult, but I'm not complaining about it. I know people have to survive. It's not something that uh, annoys Dave Juska, if you can believe it and this guy tried to put a second story on and the, and he was just immediately he started doing it putting on a second story brilliant move i mean absolutely the smartest thing i've ever heard this guy is a genius he tried to put a second story on his outdoor shed structure fucking brilliant But it was immediately kiboshed. Obviously, the neighbors complained, especially people that lived on the second floor of the building. I think that would have been the funniest thing ever. If I was doing a movie, that is exactly what I do right now, that I live on the second floor and they started building an outside structure. So people are dining directly outside my window. Uh, (laughs) Can you imagine? Wouldn't that be the greatest thing? I open my window. I'm like, hey, can I try that? I've always wanted to try it. Is it good? And just having a conversation with the people dining outside my window. Oh, my God. That would be so funny. I should try and put that on Instagram anyway. A second story structure. That was brilliant. But the the city came in. They're like, you can't do that. I mean, people would have gone. I mean, I guess everybody would have tried it. And then, you know, it would have gotten too crowded because they would have gotten greedy. It would have fallen. Again, I can't believe I've only heard about this one smash up. And it was by a renegade driver, too. I'm surprised more people haven't run into it or bicyclists bicy- haven't hit waiters, which, again, is hilarious. And just you feel horrible for the wait staff. But yesterday I got my haircut finally, and I was taking the, the Revel scooter down to the place. I left at 345 to get to a 430 appointment, and I was really trucking. And, you know, the beauty about the Revel is traffic, not an issue. I go around, I go left, I go right. I mean, it's really dangerous, but super fun to try and weave your way in and out of traffic because therein lies the brilliance of taking the goddamn scooter. But I was on Thompson Street yesterday. My barber's on Thompson Street. And again, if you don't know New York City, this is in the West Village And I, you know, just come up Third Street and make a left on Thompson Street. And it is just, you know, one small lane full of cars on both sides and now restaurant sheds. There was so much traffic that it was at a standstill. I couldn't get by on the scooter. I couldn't go to the right or the left because it was either a car or a restaurant shed. I almost was going to go on the sidewalk, but, you know, people get uptight about that. But yeah, it was awful. And then I was late to the appointment. I couldn't believe it. I was like sitting there going, Oh, I'm glad there's traffic because I'm 20 minutes early. And then I couldn't even park the bike. I mean, it was so bad, but it was because of those restaurant sheds I couldn't get by. And then I was getting annoyed by them, but I'm like, I, I can't. I don't want to get annoyed by that. I don't. I mean, if people want to eat in those stupid sheds, meanwhile, by my house, they made these beautiful structures on either side, and it's packed every day. In fact, I heard the inside restaurant. There is no inside. They only use the outdoors and it's packed every night. Whereas when I walk home from the parking garage, I can't get through because everybody's waiting to go into the sheds to eat. It's like, but it, again, it doesn't annoy me. I mean, I guess if it was right in front of my building, it would. I mean, it is in front of my building, but it's on the other side of the street. And again, if people want to eat outside, now that is something I do not want to do. I like eating indoors. I, I never liked eating outside even before all the coronavirus and all that nonsense. So I am definitely an indoor seating. I like, I really dig central air. I don't know whether you know. <laughs> eating outside sucks. But it, I mean, it's better now with the sheds because mostly eating outside sucks because it's windy. And you know how I love napkins. And my napkins always fly all over the place. So when I'm indoors, do you know yesterday I was at my favorite bar and... They opened the windows and my napkins started flying off. I'm like, I'm indoors. How is this happening? But it was a very nice, cool breeze. Again, yesterday, another perfect day. Great day to go down, get a haircut. I think I look good. I'm, just, I'm not going to lie to you, I look good. No, my hair came out really good. I'm really happy. I sent it to Sarah because she was complaining about it, Silverman, and she's like, okay, yeah, no, that's much better. And then, of course, the question is, how do you keep it? I'm ready. To go gray and black, right? I mean, listen. I know everybody's been complaining. I don't mind telling you. I, you know, everybody. I mean, I don't mind talking about it. Everybody knows I color my hair. I couldn't care less that everybody knows. For some reason, it doesn't bother me. It's funny to color it if you don't care, right? But whatever. But mostly now, it was coloring it so I can get that good combination of gray and black. But I can't hold the combination of gray and black. It just really goes gray if I don't do it in you know five six weeks. So I bought. This hair club, not hair club for men, um, just for men that I've been using for 30 years. And they have a thing called Touch of Grey. So I'm going to try that today. See what happens. Keep the, the gray and the black. It is certainly time. Again, being almost 60. Why not? There's no reason. I mean, I can't stand the jet black anyway. I like when there's a little gray in it. So a combination of both is wise at this point. I'm not fooling anybody. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I was trying to fool anybody. I just. It's just funny. I don't know. I can't explain. Like I said, the black, um, it wasn't so much as to look younger. It was mostly when I color it, my hair looks fuller. But I guess now that I got that procedure, it does look a little better. So maybe that's why it's finally time to go gray and black. Right? Right. So uh, we'll try that later. I'll report back next week. Uh, what do I want to talk about before we bring in Mr. Pinelli? Or should I just bring in Mr. Pinelli? Again, also, uh, just so I reiterate if you're in the city and you want to see the show on Thursday, it's a fun show at the West Side Comedy Club, then hit me up on Patreon and I'll make sure you get in thursday west side comedy club it's me joe Mackey, katie hannigan that's uh mike vicky girlfriend i don't know if that makes a difference to anybody alga and uh jessica curson who's terrific and then some dude that the woman who runs the place is making me put up for five minutes so whatever getting pretty sick of that club too oh yeah at the bar that I was at yesterday you know usually I go because my friend is the manager her name is Lori and I've been you know I've known her for years and she's a lot of fun and it's so funny I guess her hours changed with COVID there's not as much work or there is much I don't know what the story is but she usually gets there at six o'clock for the past whatever she's been working so we get there at six o'clock which is probably except on Sundays but she gets there at three and I I knew she got there at six, but I guess I wasn't. Th- I don't know. I thought maybe the hours had changed. I know usually don't go on Fridays, right? I usually go on Wednesdays, but she must get there earlier. I don't know. My mind's all messed up. So I made an appointment for 430, knowing fully I'd be out by five and be at that bar by 530. But I know she'd probably show up by six. I didn't know who was there before. It turns out the guy I don't really care for. But uh, it, he told me after when she came in, she goes, I'll be there at seven. I'm like seven. I'm not going to be until seven. Of course, I end up staying till seven. And then he told me, he goes, Yeah, we well, she's supposed to come in at nine. We can't figure out why she keeps coming in at seven. And then she goes and walks around and goes to the outdoor area and stuff, and she's working, but she's not supposed to be there. And she's actually taking his tips and everything, but they're they're so terrified of her to tell her that she's not supposed to be there till nine. Nobody everybody's afraid to tell her. It's hilarious. It's like a sitcom. It's like George Costanza. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I'm going into work even though because they haven't told me if I got the job or not. <laughs> it's it was really funny and I totally get that anybody would be afraid to tell her that uh well technically you're not supposed to be here till 9. But I think she also knows that the only reason there is business cuz everybody comes in to see her, but it is it was hilarious when he told me that. I don't the guy doesn't even like me and he told me. He goes, "Yeah, I don't, I don't know what she's doing here. We told her she starts at 9, but she keeps coming in at 7." <laughs> Maybe she's on my schedule where you just want to get out. You want to do it already. You want to do it while the sun's up. I don't know. I'll tell you what. Let, let's um, bring uh, Brian Penelli in. Let's talk about the Olympics because uh, there was new news on Simone Biles today. Not new news. I mean, she's definitely out. At the beginning of it, I was pissed because I was just thinking I was being selfish. And I was like, this sucks. It's the only thing everybody was waiting for. She is um, tremendous, and I was just so angry since the Nets and these idiots that are, get paid exorbitant amounts of money. I think I used that word right, and they're always injured, and it is funny. I thank God uh, they on the sports station they were saying, yeah, this never used to happen in the 80s. I mean, really? Michael Jordan was never on the injury, I mean, maybe on an occasion, so why now are they all these players that are being paid more than you could possibly ever even imagine in your lifetime, and they're all getting injured and ruin, ruining people like me, all we have to live for is to watch them play good time, and that's the way I was thinking about Simone Biles, and I'm like, mental health, are you fucking kidding me? You're letting down everybody, your country, everything. And I know there's a lot of people who feel that way. And I was talking to my friend, Victoria, and she said, yeah, all middle-aged white men feel that way. And I'm like, hey, wh- why is that? Why? Why, how, why? Yeah, why are we feeling that way? But then I saw a picture of her and how, you know, she says she has the twisties and how she lost her vision or something. Uh, you know, you could see, like, there was a picture, like, where she seemed to lose her place and I guess can't kind of get, you know, if you really think about it, you know, when we watch those things, I'm like, that balance beam alone. I mean, you got to be a fool to even do that anyway. And the girl that won, that cute uh, Asian girl from Minnesota, and her dad built her that balance beam in the back that's like, and she's doing these flips. If I was somebody's dad, I'm like, no, 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 no. You are not doing this. It just, how does everyone's head not split open? So then when you think about it like that, you're like, yeah, I guess if you're not in the right mind, you, you, you probably shouldn't be doing it. Who knows what's mine? I guess we'll find out. And that's the excitement of the story. And maybe we'll be able to talk to Brian about that. So let's bring him in right now. Brian Pinelli from AroundTheRings.com. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and we are fortunate enough to have our good friend of the Nightfly Podcast, Brian Pinelli, back with us today. And let me tell you something, he's very busy. This is his time of the year. We are very fortunate to have a man like Brian Pinelli in between the two weeks of the Olympics. he This is his eighth Olympics he is covering as a journalist. who used to be with CBS Sports and now with Around the Rings, the world's go-to source for Olympic coverage and news. Brian Pinelli, my friend Brian, thank you so much for taking your very busy schedule and joining us today.
2: Thank you very much, Dave, for the kind introduction. It's good to see you again. You know, we we go back a few years. I'm not sure if I want to calculate how many, but uh, yes, very exciting times, challenging times, but exciting times for the Olympic movement. Uh, Tokyo 2020, now seven days in. And uh, yeah, we're working all hours and uh, enjoying the games as, as much as possible.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I was going to say that when we see each other, I, I always want to do that line from Back to the, Look at us, we're old men. <laughs> it's, it's so weird because we knew each other when we were children. I certainly know yes. you when you were a child. I recall. The last time we spoke, you were living in Prague, which could be everybody's dream. Not me. I don't like to travel one bit. I don't even like to, you know, sometimes I get nervous going to Jersey, but uh, (laughs) you moved to Italy and well, here's the worst part, folks. And here's the thing. It's like Brian Pinelli loves traveling. He loves to travel. This is something Dave Juskow does not appreciate, but Brian Pinelli loves it, covers the Olympics, which means every four years he gets to go to a beautiful location. And this year, thanks to that. What? Every two years. Right, right. Winter and summer, of course. And of course, thanks to that stupid, stupid COVID virus, which I'm just going to say I'm very racist against, the COVID virus. I don't see how the COVID virus is going to complain back. You don't get to go to Tokyo this year.
2: Well, you know, Dave, first time in our virtual world, and was planning to go to Tokyo with, with my colleagues, and, and it's all good. You know, after uh, you know a little bit of mixed emotions, And seeing my journalist friends post on Facebook and Instagram all the challenges they're having, you know, and and I wish them the best. And, hey, these things need to happen. But the IOC in Tokyo 2020 came up with with three playbooks before the games, one for athletes, one for journalists, and one for officials, you know, outlining all these countermeasures. The, The books were 70, 80 pages long. And uh, hey, man, you know, good for them. They pulled it off. A lot of people in Japan, you know, protested, didn't want this to happen. You know, they're doing a pretty good job. Cases are still on the rise. Um, obviously, no fans at any of the venues, you know, so the atmosphere, uh, although we've seen this, right, with NBA and NHL and, and others, so safety number one. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, Dave, in our virtual world, I feel like, I'm more productive <laughs> here working from home. I, you know, I don't have to travel between venues. I mean, I, I think I'm a pretty tough guy, but the one thing I don't handle very well is the sweltering heat and humidity, which is happening, you know, there in Tokyo. Uh, Novak Djokovic lobbied to officials to, you know, move tennis matches later in the day because he said the heat was unbearable. Uh, Track and field started today. My veteran journalist friend of many years said, I'm managing, but hot and humid. And, you know, you you can't just, the first 14 days, Dave, you know, you're in um, a soft, hard quarantine the first three days. 14 days soft quarantine. My other journalist friend says, you know, you can't walk out of the hotel and walk around the streets for 20, 30 minutes. And and again, not, you know, knocking or complaining because they need to do it, I guess. But, you know, you just can't go and take a stroll outside of your hotel, which is my number one thing. Probably everyone's number one thing to do when I'm on the road and explore. Uh, Actually, you have 15 minutes. This is what my friend Peg told me. So a Japanese official at the hotel Shows you your time. This is like an Olympic event in itself, Dave. Yeah, you get 15 minutes. The clock starts, and you could run to 7-Eleven and you know get your dried squid or you know get your uh, Sapporo beers. But you have to be back in the hotel by 15 minutes, or else uh, well, I don't know what they do
1: then they probably put you under another quarantine that's awful but let me tell you some, first of all you wrote an article about the sweltering heat and how it was affecting some of the uh, olympians meanwhile nokovich he, he should stop the complaining because it's probably what cost him the the game yesterday <laughs> he should concentrate on the game instead of complaining about everything the guy's done enough where he should just relax probably shouldn't have even gone to the olympics secondly well what are you expecting Everybody knows it gets hot in Tokyo during the summertime. I mean, you know, they don't have it there. Have it someplace where it's nicer. Always have it in L.A. where I guess sometimes they have a heat, but it's never sweltering. Do that then.
2: 2028. Exactly. 2028 L.A. day. You know, it's around the corner.
1: L.A. people are so stupid. They're like, oh, my God, it's so hot here today. They have no idea what hot is, right? Tokyo, I assume, is very much like New York City in a way. When it gets hot, it is hot. The shade does not help you. I talk about this all the time because in California, when they say, oh, my God, it's hot today, you can still go under a tree and get cool. And at night, it calms down. But I don't know if it's the same in Tokyo, but uh, Tokyo, I assume, is the exact same sweltering heat as it is in New New Jersey, New York City, Florida, Florida. It's it's actually sweltering heat. So you should probably just, if you're going to complain, just always have the Olympics in Los Angeles or San Diego. There you
2: go. 80, 80% humidity. So, you know, uh, and, and the funny thing almost, well, I don't know if it's funny, but with all the coronavirus issues and protocols and everything, like a year and a half ago before corona, heat was a big concern, you know, and they moved the marathon, which hasn't taken place yet, up to, you know, Hokkaido, Japan in the north, in Sapporo. So they're going to have the marathon there um they started the triathlons in tokyo at 6 30 in the morning
1: oh the uh, the triathlon the the one with that boat <laughs> like stopped the race <laughs> <laughs> what? did you see I where the see boat this. interfered and they had to restart the triathlon ah
2: I, I didn't catch all. i knew there was a restart i didn't catch all the restart.
1: oh my god it was uh, the, the guy who was driving the boat was jeff spicoli and uh he uh, apparently was so high he forgot to move the boat out of the way and they had to restart but, yeah, they were complaining about that, too, the sweltering heat. But what, what are you going to do? I mean, I feel bad, but, I mean, what, what are you going to do? Just, yeah. you know, wait another two weeks? There's nothing you can do. You're having the Summer Olympics. That's That apparently is what happens in the summer. Don't have it in Tokyo.
2: You know, but but at the other t- uh, same time, Dave, I just got off the phone, with my friend uh, who's the executive director of the International Golf Federation, nice Australian gentleman I've known six, seven years, And, uh, you know, he just talking about how hospitable and how nice and all the volunteers and, you know, Japan just going the extra mile, the extra kilometer, uh, you know, under very difficult circumstances. He said the golfers are, you know, the golfers are happy. They're they're playing early morning. Okay, golfers, right. They're all from Florida, Arizona, South Africa. Right, right. Anyway, you know, and and he said it's inspiring. And, you know, the other cool thing, Dave, five new sports on the Tokyo 2020 program so far they've all been a hit we had the olympic debut of surfing which is absolutely awesome
1: yeah the worst part is i cannot find that channel i've been looking for NBC their coverage stinks it's only gymnastics Basketball and beach volleyball, and so I look on the other channel. And I'm looking for surfing. I want to see surfing. It's hard to find.
2: You know, Dave. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm a CBS sports guy, true, to, tried and true. And I want to get into NBC. But you know, there's eight thousand digital applications supposedly where you can see the games. But you know, you're in America. I've got Eurosport Player on my computer. I've got Rai Two with live coverage around the clock from here in Italy. And uh, you know, I'm I'm doing it right. M- m- many options, but yeah, I don't want to hear the old NBC story because I'll, I'll jump on that and get in trouble. CBS <laughs> I like that and, kind of stuff. You know, I still have some colleagues at NBC anyway. There, there's ways what, you gotta search around.
1: What are the uh other four new sports?
2: Yes. So skateboarding, there were 13-year-old oh, at the Olympic Games, really inspiring, That's amazing,
1: hilarious. Uh
2: sport climbing, which hasn't started starts in a couple sport days, climbing. sport climbing sport climbing. Uh, lead, lead bouldering and top. Uh, what does it mean? It's sport climbing. Uh, Dave, there are more sport climbing gyms in, in the United States popping up. Oh, there.
1: just those stupid, uh, things where they in a gym, it's indoors. That's yeah,
2: stupid. Come on, man. You know. It's all
1: stupid, including ping pong and badminton. These shouldn't be Olympic sports. They're uh, ridiculous.
2: Karate. karate, karate. And wait, karate is new. Uh, yes, it is. Correct. Karate is new. And this is not new, but it's a return to the Olympics after uh, a hiatus because they kicked it off the program uh, after 2008 in Beijing, baseball and softball. So baseball, it's actually a return to the games. I used
1: to be friends with Jenny Finch and uh, she, she couldn't believe they were getting rid of curl softball after for somebody like her, it was ridiculously popular. I don't understand why getting rid of it and then bringing it back. What's yeah, the purpose? Yeah, I mean,
2: you know, you make the argument uh, not not enough countries and, and and you know not enough continents. Do play? I mean, they don't play softball really in Africa. You know, Europe, Europe, it's limited. Okay, in Asia, so uh, you know, the IOC. Like them or not, you know, many people are very critical, but they do some wonderful things for the world of sport and, you know, Olympic solidarity and, and helping impoverished athletes. And yes, there's been some corruption over the years, but, uh, you know, the IOC evaluates sports, they evaluate cities, they, uh, you know, 110 IOC members based in Lausanne, Switzerland. You know, it's been interesting. I also cover some of the politics and the behind the scenes of the IOC. And, you know, the the casual person turns into the Olympics every four years and on their couch and they have some complaint, oh, the IOC, the IOC, you know, and, you know, quarter uh, armchair quarterbacks, but, you know, they, they do some amazing work. And, uh, they just select That's what's games.
1: fascinating about you is that you cover the Olympics all year round, I do. which is really fascinating because you don't we don't think about it that that there's like, well what is there once the games are over I guess Brian has free time.
2: Yes. No. <laughs> no. I mean, you know, there's 32 33 summer sports federations that are 24-7 year-round, right? They have to elect presidents. There's governance and councils and, you know, obviously uh, numerous meetings. And, and I know, Dave, you're excited. Speaking of nice weather, I won't get too into the details and bore you. Don't worry. But the IOC has come up with a new uh, process for se- selecting uh, Olympic hosts. I don't know if I totally agree. Normally, five, six countries or cities would throw their hats in the ring and, and lobby and, you know, just, just like any election. And I don't know, with the IOC, this I don't completely agree with, but they said, now we're going to discuss with potential candidate cities behind the scenes, we're going to vet, we're going to reevaluate, we're going to assess to see which cities you know are, are best for the game. Have the
1: most Jews? Uh, oh, no, you weren't going to say that. I'm sorry. Or not.
2: I don't think so. You sure? Uh, All right. I'll look into that, Dave. 2032, I know you're excited. Brisbane, Australia on the Gold Coast. So 11 years from now, the Olympics will go back to Australia.
1: You told me uh, in advance. It was very exciting. I wish I could have made a bet on it. But yeah, so wait, what's the new decision that they made? You said there were reasons why they chose, why they choose. those yeah, change. I
2: mean, it, it comes down to sustainability, uh, which cities, countries have venues in place. They no longer want, You know, cities, countries spending millions of dollars on venues that probably won't get used after the games. You know, athens Greece is a consideration like that. You know, Sochi-Russia for the winter games where they spent $51 billion on the most elaborate. And I'll tell you, that was a great games, Dave. I enjoyed Sochi 2014. Everybody can, you know, be critical of the Russians and they spent all this money. But, man, it, it was fun.
1: Well, there was no there was no way Putin was going to make it not perfect. You know, that's a guy that wants to show the world, uh, you know, how great Russia is. Of course, we know it's not. But we know on that 14 days, it's going to be awesome. I mean, uh, would they ever consider I know they threw their hat in the ring for a while while Bloomberg was mayor. Would they ever consider New York City as a venue? They were talking about it about five, six years ago.
2: Well, I mean, first and foremost, New York has to come forward. They have to discuss with the USOPC, the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee in, in Colorado Springs. Um, for example, on the winter side of things, the USOPC just determined about a year ago, no surprise, that Salt Lake City is the next uh, US winter candidate for the Games. Um, I'm, I'm on top of this being a former. I partner. saw
1: that on your in your article. Yeah.
2: Yeah being a former park city, Utah resident. And, you know, a lot of my friends with the U S ski team and and just ski buddies out in park city. And they did a hell of a job in 2002. And you might remember this was shortly after nine 11 and George Bush went to the opening ceremony, but aside that fact, they did a tremendous job. They obviously have the snow, the venues, you know, unbelievable snow and maybe maybe the IOC will decide between Salt Lake City, Sapporo, Japan, although they're dealing now with Tokyo so it's not so easy. And uh believe it or not, Spain uh, a possible bid from Barcelona and the Pyrenees. Yes, Barcelona would be the, you know, hockey, ice, uh figure skating, Pyrenees would have the ski events. So so the IOC wow. apparently will make this next decision and uh, you know, probably in the near future even though it's a long time away. I think New
1: York City was up? At a Paris won. That was the year they were trying. Is that the next Summer Olympics? Paris, correct.
2: Two thousand and twenty. So, so Paris.
1: That's what they were. New York City was vying for. Now, being a New York City resident, that would have been the worst time of my life. Uh, I think anybody living here really wouldn't want those. Just like the people in Tokyo, really couldn't care less to have them there now. Of course, because of COVID, mostly. But it is a disruptor.
2: Yeah. But and it just, is fun to just, watch on TV. And to steal an old joke from uh, your 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 good buddy David Letterman, he said New York would be conducive for the Summer Olympics because there are starter pistols on every corner.
1: <laughs> that is good <laughs> well knowing that you have to go I, I just want to get into a couple of things first of all you did an article on that guy kobayashi who got fired for doing those holocaust jokes oh, geez. um do you know what the holocaust jokes were because they won't print them so then we can't make a decision of whether this guy should have been fired or not
2: ah dave i got thrown into that story by my editor i, I, I will admit it was mostly secondhand reporting and uh, whew, That was the day of the opening ceremony. I had so much on my plate. I am so sorry. I, I didn't die for No,
1: no, it's okay. This is a guy that was a comedian, right. I guess, you know, 30, 15 years ago. I guess only 15 years ago. He became the Olympic uh, organizer for the opening ceremonies. And then he got fired yes. because they found some old tapes of him doing some holocaust material but they won't say what it is and i like to judge <laughs>
2: yeah he was the third and he was the third artistic ceremonies representative from japan in like six seven months they got bounced for old comments another one made a comment oh about a japanese entertainer a bit heavy set and uh, he said internally in a meeting that uh, maybe they should dress her up as an olympic and drop her oh down. i saw that yeah on the positive side dave israel israel uh, qualified for the men's baseball tournament out of Europe, so you got Israel in baseball, and they had an amazing surfer, 21 year old, oh, what's her name? Anyway, that grew up surfing at age five, surfing waves outside of Tel Aviv. So, uh, yeah,
1: how's that even a thing? There yeah, are no the waves. Thing day, she competed <laughs>
2: against and and uh you know did well, didn't get to the finals, but surfing was incredible, man. Did you catch any of the surfing? American girl from
1: Hawaii. no, I told you I can't. I have so I. So they have like a thing on, you know, I still watch regular television, but they have a thing where you can go and catch the individual things and I record it and all that came up was ping pong. I, don't like know. I recorded table surfing, tennis.
2: table tennis, Dave.
1: table tennis, whatever. It's so stupid. Today I watched stupid badminton like they take it so seriously and it's dumb and you know, I'm just not seeing the, and I watched uh, the trampoline, which I actually enjoyed Cool. But, you know, I like watching the little ones, like archery and stuff like that. And last night, I'm looking for the high jump and the long jump, and they show snippets. And I'm like, I want to see it. You I want to see it. I don't I'm like,
2: not... want to relax. Day one of 10 qualifying at track and field. There's, you know, X amount of. Athletes. I can't relax, Brian. Calm down. I can't. Let's let's talk, <laughs> Dave. Let's talk a little bit about surfing, because I think it deserves its credit. My friend, Fernando Aguera, the president of the International Surfing Association, flamboyant argentine sports leader that was shunned by the argentine government it was arrested when he was in his late teens and early 20s surfing in the 70s in argentina you know this is not allowed he moved to the united states with his family or no family at the time to san diego emigrated um, and he lobbied for 30 years to get surfing into the olympics Duke Kahanamoku, the father of surfing back in, you know, around the turn of the century from Hawaii, won two gold medals in swimming, Dave. And he said to the IOC, surfing should be in the Olympics. Well, it took the IOC more than a century. Fernando lobbied for 30 years. And finally, in Rio 2016, he said, you know what? Surfing might be cool. It's in the Olympics. And it truly was, Dave. It was fantastic.
1: Wow. See, now that seems like a legitimate Olympic sport, unlike table tennis. (laughs) This seems like a really good... This is a a skill. You've really got to be on your game. There's risk involved. It's exciting. You know, I mean, I've seen Blue Crush almost uh, 30 times. (laughs) The greatest Olympic... uh, The greatest surfing movie of all time. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But that's the other thing is... You, uh, your favorite sport, and everybody knows from our last interview, is pole vaulting. Yes. <laughs> and you were very upset that Sam Kendricks, your favorite person of all time, yes, unfortunately, came down with the case of the COVIDs.
2: Yes, friendliest, nicest, world class athlete. I, I met him in Rome. I met oh him-
1: before you I said world class been- athlete. I thought you were talking about me. But uh, go ahead. Yes.
2: Yeah. No. Nicest guy you'll ever meet. Bronze medalist uh in 2016. Um, he's a, he's a member, a, a Lieutenant in the army reserves, Louisiana guy. And, you know, Dave, it's so funny. We were in the, in the mix zone a couple of years ago. And, uh, my Czech reporter friend said, Sam is the nicest guy. He came up to her, you know, you know, world-class athletes, you would not see soccer or basketball players doing this. And he came up and he said, hello, my name is Sam. What What is your name? You know? So, so really, really, really nice guy. I mean, the story I did about him for the New York Times a couple of years ago was the fact, Dave, that during pole vault competitions, he actually coaches and helps his opponents because he feels that, hey, we're all in this together. So sure enough, two days ago, the United States Olympic Committee issues a statement. Sam is positive, One of the top U.S. athletes, you know, maybe the top to, to test positive. He questioned it. His father put stuff up on social media, no symptoms. And, and again, he's such a nice guy. He doesn't want to step on anyone's toes or hurt any feelings. And he just put a video on Instagram taking a a, a private test with the help of a nurse, negative. So two negative tests before getting to Tokyo, uh, negative test here, but it's too bad. They say six days, I think, minimum, oh, if not more, too, quarantine. And he just wished his fellow competitors well. Really sad. Uh, you know? uh, one other question again. why do you um,
1: move from... Prague to Italy what was the
2: actually it does relate to the Olympics so I've been to Cortina a few times over the years for World Cup skiing Cortina D'Ampezzo and uh, Cortina very inspiring to me some you know friends colleagues with the Italian Olympic Committee they won the right you know I know these things happen years in advance Milano and Cortina D'Ampezzo will co-host the Winter Games in 2026 so I said you know what Dave better weather Better wine. I love my friends and beer in the Czech Republic, but uh, you know, it was January COVID. I was going a little bit insane, like everybody else. I said, you know what, I'm gonna pack up. I had planned it a little bit, pack up and and move to Northern Italy. And uh yeah, here we're here with the Italians now, getting ready for the 26 Winter Olympics. I hope you come visit me, man. I think I will. That sounds
1: amazing. Right? I was just at uh, my friend is a sommelier. So they are always talking about going to Italy and having the greatest wine they've ever had. That's so smart, Brian, going there way in advance. You'll be like the best reporter there because you've been living there for a while. They'll go to you. I think that's a really smart move.
2: That's yeah, fun, too. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful mountains. The Dolomites are just... And
1: you and you ski, right? You like oh, yeah. to I mean, actually that's, ski. That's
2: probably sixty nine seventy percent of the decision. Absolutely. You know. Wow. Sunny, hey, um, Although the lifts never opened this past winter. It was really tough. Yeah.
1: Oh. Well, the other big question before we wrap up is Simone Biles. Uh, obviously, that's the big story. And, you know, as the uh, apparently... They've said that the old white man is still very angry about her decision to quit. And I guess that's why I fell into that category. Uh, I'm trying to understand it more now. I I really did feel like she ruined it for everybody. But I guess there's something we're not seeing. And there is one shot of her they have when she's doing this flip where you can see her eyes uh, where it makes sense where you see her. She doesn't know where she is. And that was the only. I was like, well, maybe this is for real because you know we're always like she's faking because we're awful people. What is the story? Do you know?
2: You know, Dave. It's interesting you mentioned my Ed. You know, I love my surfing and track and field and golf. And my editor that morning says, Brian, you have to do a Simone Biles story. And I said, ah, I don't know. You know, gymnastics and um,
1: you have to. It's the biggest story uh, on the planet.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're in the United. It is. It is. You're you're in the United States. It's probably height. Obviously, it's height in there. But yes, it it is you know, apparently need some time for some mental health, uh, well-being issues. So I said to my editor, I said, I'm, I'm not getting into analyzing this stuff. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going there. And we agreed. I actually did a, a nice story about her. We agreed uh, about all the, the support and love and outpouring she's received from fellow athletes and Michelle Obama and, uh, you know, Mitt Romney. Yeah, but
1: that's normal. We want to hear the other stuff.
2: I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. cover gymnastics, Dave. You know, let us I can tell you the scoop in golf, surfing, track and field. You know, she she may still compete, maybe. I don't know, in the yeah. apparatus events. No, it's just so, time. you know, it's like, you know, she I guess
1: time. there's people like me who, you know, that's the only thing you're looking forward to. We've been, you know, uh, set up for this for like a year. I think, you know, obviously, I think COVID had a lot to do with it. I think she was ready to compete in 2020. She's obviously, which is so sad, aging out. And an extra year could probably provide probably problematic for somebody like that, yeah. uh, where she was, I know, deciding whether she should do it or not. But, you know, you get so psyched up and there was all these things where they're showing these things she's doing that defy the description of the art. And then, you know, you just we live such meager lives, people like me. That's the only thing we're looking forward to. And it's a bummer. No, All right,
2: I'm, I'm going to just turn it around quickly. Speaking of people that do unbelievable acrobatic things, I'm excited. Very sorry that Sam is out. But I think the best young athlete in the world, I don't know if Americans follow close enough. Armando Mondo Duplantis, 21-year-old pole vaulter. He's from Louisiana, but he has dual citizenship, Swedish and U.S. He's opted to compete for Sweden. Age 21. He's already broken the indoor pole vault world record two times in February, the outdoor pole vault world record like two months ago in Rome. And this kid is astonishing. He looks like a, a high school senior. He's been pole vaulting, had a pole in his hand since like age four. His dad, or, dad was obviously an ex-pole vaulter. And this kid, I'm working on a nice feature on him right now. If he wins gold, which he should. You never know. I mean, super marketable athlete next you know everyone said you can't replace usain bolt right Right. everybody knows usain bolt and obviously it's tall shoes big shoes to fit you know to uh to fit but armando is incredible watch the men's pole vault on tuesday you will see acrobatic stuff you've never seen in your life
1: oh thank you for telling me tuesday that's the kind of stuff i like i want to see pole vault. i want to see the stuff they don't show it's kind of odd that they just kind of show you a clip like it's like a it would be like uh, one of your favorite musicians just doing a a, a medley of their songs that if you, you want to hear the you full know, again, songs. Not,
2: not in the states, I, you know, NBC. Um, I, I agree. with You, you got to go to like NBC Peacock. There's digital streaming. Oh,
1: you're hilarious! You're thinking I'm in my 20s. You're so yeah, sweet. Clicked, Thank you. You know,
2: make a couple, make a couple clicks. I'm an old There's man. Fine. I still
1: watch Channel Four. What's the yeah. matter with you? i <laughs> I'm the last person that has cable TV hooked up. Channel four, NBC
2: <laughs> New York. They're, that's all you know. Three through there's three networks, right? ABC, CBS, and NBC. And that's well, how once get- in a while. Now
1: that I'm older, I watch Channel 13 as well. So, and I'm all in on PBS. I feel bad that you have to cover the Olympics from where you are but it is funny if you talk to anybody here in it's, it's from your oh from your place in Italy you know and and, and what's the name of the place you live and
2: Yeah I'm about 10 kilometers from Cortina d'Ampezzo nice town
1: Cortina d'Am and people are probably like oh yeah. I would love to live there right for me I'm like eh. but I you know people like to travel so they must be they're probably so jealous of you
2: I was just gonna say, you know, like everybody, you know, say what you want. I mean, I'm I'm pretty satisfied. But you know, over these past 16 months, I've only been in Prague and Cortina and, and Venice for a couple of days, and that's it. So not not bad place it, to be. But I have right, But right.
1: It's funny that you're like, and that's it. Where other people are like, that's it. How dare you speak to me like you know what I'm Sorry, going Dave. through?
2: You're invited. You're uh, an invited guest. No,
1: you know, I don't care. I like just being here and in New Jersey. That's I'm good with that. I'm not into traveling, so it doesn't matter. Although where you sa- where you are right now seems like a place I'd like to go.
2: Not bad, not bad. The wines the wines pretty nice.
1: Yeah, that does sound really really great, um, Brian. Thank you so much for coming on today. I mean, again, really, I know how busy you are. I know it's like winding down there today. I get well, no, it's not. It's just yeah. like five o'clock in the afternoon where you are, right? Yeah, so forty
2: four. I'm thinking about what I'm going to have. For oh, here. but. But
1: six hours, uh, so there's nothing going on in Tokyo right now.
2: Uh, Middle of the night, uh, no. Doesn't look like anything going on. So this is a good time for you. Maybe people breaking curfew and wandering the streets when they're told not to. And that's the story. I I don't know. Maybe some underground bars in Tokyo, some underground clubs that are happening. I'm not sure. Or or, or, if I can, I can't tell you
1: these are the kind of stories we want to hear you know none of this uh, these puff pieces on simone Biles. right
2: hey she's great
1: no we want to hear the real stuff i was so high i didn't know where i was when i was on that beam man well anyway brian thank you so much for taking out the time of your very busy schedule to give us this wonderful interview that's almost relevant for my show which is almost oh. unheard of right. for something like me that you know in the middle of the olympics very exciting Thank you so much for doing it. I really appreciate it.
2: All right. Sounds great. It was was nice to catch up. I hope I've inspired you, maybe just a little bit. You know, faster, higher, stronger, Dave. Sidious, Altius, Fortius. Those are models you should live by.
1: I don't know what the hell that sounds anti Semitic, but uh, I'll let it go this one time. (laughs) Bye. Well, he is quite the interesting fellow. I like talking about that. He's so into pole vaulting. It's so funny. But again, trying to... I really want to see some surfing. I think that would be really fun. And again, let me just say, because we were talking about the uh, Kobayashi uh, who did the Holocaust jokes. So Michael Che today... Uh, made fun of Simone Biles in an Instagram post, Michael Che from SNL. The problem is with these jokes is they never, they don't print them in the paper. So Michael Che had made what was considered an anti-Semitic joke, I- either about Israel or Jews. And then I saw the joke, you know, they at least printed it because he did it on SNL. And I was like, oh, please, that is a joke. Let uh, let let me decide. You know, I'll tell you. <laughs> And so I don't know what his jokes were. He just said he was ripping on Simone Biles, probably for the same reason I was, and having some fun, and he made some Larry Nesser jokes, and because that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, Larry Nasser is a horrible, horrible human being, and he's paying for it because he's a bag of shit. This is the guy that uh, was groping all the gymnast girls. But this is what comedians do, and they're not Holocaust jokes, and maybe he shouldn't have Instagram. He should have just done him on stage at the cellar and just lived like that. But, uh, you know, I guess he's trying to be, you know, I guess he's so jonesing to have a national forum because Saturday Night Live's on vacation. He couldn't even contain himself. So he's like, I got to put these jokes on. I can't take it. I can't take it. I'm dying to talk about Simone Biles. I wish I, I wish. I had Weekend Update. I mean, isn't that funny? He's just like so itching to have his forum so he can tell his jokes. But that's what most comedians feel like, speaking of which, I know Jeff Ross uh, got COVID and he's vaccinated. Him and a bunch of his friends and a bunch of people at the comedy store all caught it. And he had a really bad bout of it, but was not in the hospital because he was vaccinated. And they were just talking today how I think Broadway is going to ask for vaccination cards. They're talking about restaurants and stuff, asking for it. Thank God. I mean, that's the way to go, because I'll tell you what's not the way to go is to put masks on again. I think that's a big mistake for people who are unvaccinated because if you're asking vaccinated people to put on masks, the unvaccinated people, for whatever reason, they don't want to get vaccinated, are going to say, see, so what's the point of getting vaccinated if you still have to wear a mask? So I think that's a big mistake. But again, what I didn't realize, and I only found out recently, I think through Marina Franklin, is that the vaccination helps you not go to the hospital. So yes, you can still catch the covid but it, the, the, it won't be you know a death sentence or going on a ventilator so that's what happened to jeff because he'd probably be dead or at least very sick in the hospital and he was able to recover at home he said it was you know it was bad and he was you know hurting all over but it it was like a you know a, a bad flu and he's feeling better now that's the key i guess that's what the vaccination does i didn't know that i i really thought you couldn't catch it So I had misinformation, and I guess everybody has misinformation, but the more they ask, I mean, the comedy sellers got balls saying everybody's got to be vaccinated before you come in, and I like that. You know, my mother and I are having issues with people that aren't vaccinated because we just don't know how to handle it. It's tough. People that won't get vaccinated, they are making problems. Nobody wants to be forced to do anything. I get that, but you know, it really would help your fellow man if you get vaccinated. Well, enough of that. I guess it's all just for the hospitals. I didn't know uh, to not overwhelm the hospitals. I had no idea. Again, misinformation by everybody on all sides. So what are you going to do? Somebody, I was watching real time a little bit uh, before I did the show, and they were this guy was saying, if you give Trump $100 for everybody that gets vaccinated, he might start telling people to get vaccinated. <laughs> and I'm like, boy, that's, it's smart and of course the funny thing is that he is vaccinated and it's weird that his people won't get vaccinated too very strange goings on in the world on Tuesday I did Sheba's show and got to uh I guess give her my condolences about her daddy Mr. Jackie Mason because he did not care for Sheba at one bit or another he didn't care he was sitting there going what's the matter with you I don't care you're not my daughter and how can he say he's not his daughter because she looks exactly like him uh, and i said and she really did say she's like because i had a feeling she was a little delusional in the sense that she thought maybe when he got older on his deathbed he'd be like i need to talk to sheba but he didn't and uh, so she was holding up okay but she always has she's uh you know good like that i don't think she's vaccinated but she lies about it which is the worst part is i she goes can i have a sip of your beer because i did this uh, half and half you know or black and tan rather and she wanted to try it which of course is a ridiculous thing to ask during a pandemic. And I said, No, you're not vaccinated. And she goes, How do you know? What what? She starts How do you know I'm not vaccinated? I'm like, well you now you just told me. I i didn't know. I was just using it as an excuse. And you just uh, told me because I guess she was keeping it a secret. She goes, Well I'm getting vaccinated Monday. But we and then we're like, where? And then everything unravels. She's not getting vaccinated. She's lying. And she's working at a comedy club in a restaurant and Again, uh, you know, I'm good with all these places that want to get vaccinated people. in. maybe it'll convince people that they need to get vaccinated. I'm sure they're going to protest. but And then you have to say to yourself, if you're a restaurant and you're just saying you want vaccinated people, who wants people in the restaurant that don't want to get vaccinated? I mean, wh- what kind of people are those people? So yeah, I know you with a restaurant, you just you want everybody in there. But and certainly non-vaccinated people tip well. <laughs> I don't know. They're making a move. And uh, as long as I got my vaccination card, I think I'm good to go. And that's the reason I got it. I didn't want to be that guy who's like sitting there going, nah, fuck you. I was just like, ah, I don't want any trouble at this point. I don't want to be a Karen or a Ken as they call it for the boys. So I did her show on Tuesday and I was just sitting there and the crowd was lacking. They weren't into it. So I just started singing songs from Greece. And boy, did that turn the crowd around. It was amazing. I just started singing. I got chills, they're multiplying. And boy, you should have seen it, even though people who weren't laughing at anything really got going. They loved it. These girls loved it. They were like so happy, they're like Syncrease Lightning. And then I was able to do that. I'm like, we'll get some overhead lifters and four barrel quads. Oh, yeah. Ooh, 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 ooh. A Palomino dashboard and do out a place. Oh, yeah. And it was great, but then everyone's like, well, that was great, but it was cheating. They all say it's cheating, just like Rachel did when I was doing The Sweet Caroline. They say it's cheating, and I'm like, yeah, well, that's what I wanted. That's the way I want to do comedy. Yeah, well, then that, then I wa- I've always been cheating. That's what Jon Stewart was saying, cheating, because I was doing a Springsteen song. Well, unfortunately, that's the kind of comedy I want to do, and it's really not comedy. It's not comedy. It is cheating, but that's what I prefer, and it makes me happy. Oh, God. I really am beginning to hate... No, who am I kidding? I've always hated stand-up comedy. It's just a horrible uh, form of entertainment unless you're awesome. And the problem is it is so saturated with complete subpar individuals, that's why it sucks. And I'm probably included in that. I mean, you, you know, there's okay to be a second level of comics that aren't the best. If you have your Attels and your Chappelle's and your Bill Burr's, and people like that, and your Sebastian Manikowski's or Kausko's, whatever. And then you have a second level, like a Rachel Feinstein or something. I'm okay with that. But then there's these fourth and fifth levels that are just awful. And that's what you see. And you know, I'm probably on a I'm probably on a fourth level at this point, maybe. Remember I told you I used to in the nineties I felt I was a B plus comic. But I was cheating. I was doing imitations. And that's when I was good. You know, you've seen my list of invitations from my Letterman set. Should I do my Ruth Gordon for you now or later? Should I hit you with the uh, Edward G. Robinson now or should I do it at the end of the podcast? Which, which, which would you prefer? Ho-ho! <laughs> Ho-ho! I don't know whether you heard about Scarlett Johansson suing Disney because she's so angry over her $50 million. What an asshole. Um, she's suing Disney because they split you know, Disney plus and the release. And she's like, you, you know, shit me out of $50 million because that's why I put to make. It should have just been a theater release, but what an asshole for saying it should have just been a theater release because you know, this movie has been, first of all, no one cares about black widow. Everybody says it's okay. Her character stinks. You know how I feel about her. I don't like her as an actress. I have a feeling as a person She is a delight. She used to live in this neighborhood, and everybody says she's the best. I don't like her as an actress. I find her to be a little dull. The the Black Widow character is just stupid, and it does nothing, and quite frankly, for me, brings down the entire superhero universe. I'm going to watch the movie and see if it's good. Everybody says it's okay. But the point is that was supposed to be released during the pandemic, and of course it didn't happen, so they released it in the split, which they keep doing, which everybody seems to like because it pleases... You know, people that like to go to the movies. And it pleases Dave Juskow, who hates going to the movies. So this is a brilliant way that I can see current movies and, and, and you know, be topical without having to go to the goddamn movie theater, which spreads the coronavirus. And she's complaining, eh, I'm at a $50 million. I mean, and she sounds like a bitch. However, on the flip side of that, I, you know, this is a contract dispute. So if it says in the contract she's supposed to get a certain amount of money because it was supposed to be a theatrical release and that was the contract, you got to stick to the contract, too. For her to complain about it and be the goat, the scapegoat about it, uh, that's probably her management's deal that probably should have made it. But I think Disney made it public to make her look stupid. And Disney, I mean, Disney's wrong on this. They're saying... Oh, but it's because of COVID. You can't just say, oh, it's because of COVID when you're in a contract, when you have a contract. So this is all Disney's fault. They're putting pressure on making her look foolish. And she does look foolish. But again, you're allowed to look foolish if you're disputing a contract. I'm sure I'm sure she's probably not that angry. I'm sure 50 million doesn't, well, that is a lot of money actually, but I'm sure between her and her husband, they have plenty. But that was the contract. But still, you know, boy, you got some nerve. (laughs) I mean, I know it's the contract, but it really does make her look horrible. And if I never see her in another movie again, I don't know why she'd want to do another movie. She's now take your $50 million and never work again. I think everybody would be okay with that. Nobody's ever sitting outside waiting for the next Scarlett Johansson film. No one. And speaking of which, why don't we talk about uh, something that came up? I was talking to my friend Victoria, the reason I played Notting Hill up front, which is what it was with the adorable uh, Hugh Bonneville, who's from Downton Abbey, doing that line where he has no idea who Julia Roberts is, which is hilarious. Last movie, for instance. Oh, and thank you to um, Gabriel Noel, who figured out what the line is like uh, when he's like, I got a little PG Woodhouse, careful there, Vicar. I didn't know, I thought it was careful, Erica. And he explained to me, it was careful there, Vicar. And uh, it was driving me crazy. So thank you, Gabriel, for letting me know what that was. And today I thought I would look at, I was fascinated by romantic comedies uh, and box office uh, grosses because I guess I was talking to my friend, Victoria, who, you know, we talk about this kind of stuff all the time. And as Devil Wears Proud has been on nonstop and as you all know, I love that movie. Again, wish I could snip it up, get rid of that Adrian, the guy from Entourage, get rid of every scene he's in and just pretty much put the you know, and you hate everybody hates Anne Hathaway, uh, but you love Meryl Streep and Emily Blunt and so for those two and Stephen does uh, not Stephen Tucci, that's not his name, um uh, Whatever that guy's name is, uh, who plays the, the the gay guy with the glasses, he's he's good too. And him and Meryl Streep seem to like to work. Stanley Tucci, boy, then that movie's great. But I was uh, so we were talking about, and she, oh, we were talking about Sex in the City because the reboot is coming back on HBO Max, and we started talking about it. I guess big. I think the plan is I think they're going to kill him off, you know, which was like kind of a bummer because he's one of the reasons I was watching the show. I like that guy, Chris Noth, and but I guess he doesn't want to be in it. We know Samantha doesn't want to be in it. We coming up with you know ideas of ways they're going to say why isn't Samantha in it, you know? And I don't know. We were just talking about that, and she says, "Well, you know, the Sex and the City movie is one of the highest grossing romantic comedies of all time." I'm like, "It was." I mean, I guess it makes sense since they made a second one. And she said the second one made a lot of money too because they were going to make the third one, but Kim Cattrall didn't want to be in it, so they put a stop to it. And I just, it's just so funny how popular it is where I guess if you're going to make a third one, I guess it makes sense to bring it back on HBO Max. I mean, I, I always liked it, and I liked the first movie a lot too, actually. The second movie I hated, but I had no idea it was such a, a popular on the list. So I was looking up, What is the highest grossing romantic comedy? Because you know, I love this shit of all time. And the answer is my big fat Greek wedding. Isn't that interesting? Had no idea. And by a mile, like it blows away. Number two, which is something I've seen a hundred times, but nobody wants to talk about anymore what women want with Mel Gibson and Helen Hunt. I've seen that movie really 50 times. I try to just take Mel Gibson's uh, stuff out of the equation and his nonsense, and I really enjoy that movie. But it's number two. And uh, again, off by an additional $100 million by my big fat Greek wedding. And all the way back in 2002 and the 2000, and, and you look at the statistics... I guess they don't make romantic comedies anymore because you have to go down to number six, which came out in 2018, which is Crazy Rich Asians, which as you know, I also worship. Dave got loves romantic comedies. Number three, though, something I've never seen I couldn't wait not to see was Hitch. Who knew that was even on this list? But number four is Pretty Woman. Now, that makes sense. I thought maybe that would be number one, but it's not number one by like a mile. I mean, everything else is close together. Once you hit What Woman Want, hits Pretty Woman, right? And, and rounding out the top five, there's something about Mary. I guess that makes sense. I don't really consider that a romantic comedy because it's kind of like a gross-out comedy, but it's still pretty good, and I've seen it multiple times. There's about a $5 million difference between two and five, and my big fat Greek wedding is just... It's like, it's like Star Wars. It, it's like Star Wars. It's like, it's like 1977. It, it's, it's Star Wars at, you know, $800 million. And then Smokey and the Bandit at a $1 million. You know, it's like that big a difference. It's weird. I've never seen that movie. But I will say that John Corbett being in it. And then being in Sex and the City. Although not the first one, the second one. But technically... Suddenly, this guy, John Corbett, I think that's his name, right? The guy who plays Aiden in Sex and the City, is in two of the top grossing romantic comedies of all time. And, And, you know, nobody could care less. Then it goes Crazy Rich Asians. The proposal, which I think, what is that? Sandra Bullock? Sex and the City is eight of all time. Runaway Bride, which was one of the worst movies ever unwatchable even a second time but that just shows you at at that time with the you know if if pretty woman is at number four then let's do another one and then knocked up at 10 as good as it gets another Helen Hunt movie go figure you know Helen Hunt who's I don't know somewhat gay but not gay but a little butchy to be in two romantic comedies kind of be like Jodie Foster being in uh, (laughs) two romantic comedies And then 13, Silver Linings Playbook, which I love, which I've seen multiple times. That's a great one. That's a great movie. Really great. Really great. Especially if you love, I mean, if you like romantic, I mean, that movie's almost made for me. If you like romantic comedies and football and you have a gambling problem, (laughs) that movie is perfect. But after that, at number 14, Coming to America. Can you believe that? Isn't that funny? Coming to America all the way back in June of 1988 gets in the top 20 of the biggest romantic comedies of all time. And then it, you know, goes down to where Notting Hill at 22. I was surprised. But that's uh, my best friend's wedding that gives Julie Roberts, which makes sense, of course, Four. I was looking at Valentine's Day. I can't remember. I think she was in that, too. Or was she in New Year's Day? I can't remember those horrible ones that gives Julie Roberts four movies in and Cameron Diaz 2 which of course again makes sense in uh the list of top grossing romantic comedies of all time my my favorite Notting Hill 22 what I thought it'd be higher but then I was looking at the worldwide box office okay that was just domestic and the worldwide this is hilarious the number one box office champ of romantic comedies around the world, is this movie called Meiranyu, which is a Japanese movie, which I believe is called The Mermaid. If you want to see how far ahead the, this great country of ours, America, and I'm not being sarcastic, <laughs> is in movie making at least within the rest of the world, then look at the trailer for Me Ren Yu. And then you will know that this is the greatest country in the world, USA, all the way. Wow. And that's the top grossing movie in the world. What the fuck? Wait till you see it. May Ren Yu, M-E-I-R-E-N-Y-U. I need you to watch the trailer, just the trailer. And then you'll say, holy shit, that Dave Joss was right. But the number two of all time, worldwide, romantic comedy, Pretty Woman. My Big Fat Greek Wedding is three. I thought maybe that's why it was number one, because it was like a worldwide phenomenon. Meanwhile, I was looking, I was thinking about opening with that. I've never seen that movie. Well, boy, does that look bad too. Jesus Christ. And again, you know I love a good romantic comedy. But boy, that looks just bad. Then What Woman Want? There's something about Mary, and then Cheung uh, Shing Chiu Fa, Cheung Shing Ya, Whoever. Knows. Then that stupid hitch again keeps coming up. Maybe I got to see that one. I don't hate Will Smith or anything. It just looks stupid. But then see, Notting Hill is eight worldwide. Now that is more like it. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm talking about. Notting Hill, top ten romantic comedies of all time worldwide. Then Enchanted, which is the greatest movie, and they're making an Enchanted two. Could not be happier. And then that stupid The Proposal. I don't understand it. And of course now this one, Bridget Jones Diaries, on which makes sense. Oh, then it goes, co- Yeah, look at that. 1890 Love Actually, four weddings and a funeral. And then Crazy Rich Asians. Oh God, that movie Sleepless in Seattle. It's lower down. Thank God because that movie sucks. That Nora Ephron sucked and you could praise her you know again this is the patty jenkins thing all over again we're praising this woman because she's a woman but she stinks wonder woman 84 stinks that's patty jenkins's fault and what else has she done i don't know but nora efron stinks sleepless in seattle stinks you got male stinks and quite frankly uh if it wasn't for Rob Reiner's direction, Harry Met Sally probably stinks, too. It's a, you know, it's OK. But Nora Ephron was way overrated, way overrated. When we know that Amy Heckerling is the shit. I mean, she might have directed some uh, duds, but you cannot deny. Again, I, I I, it can't just be me. Those lines, the dialogue, which you don't get from Harry Met Sally besides the one orgasm scene that everybody knows. in Clueless, is every line is amazing. I know it's just one movie, but it's like Arthur to me. And Arthur is, every line is fantastic. Every line is like what Rodney would want when we were, if you listen to the Easy Money thing or or when you hear our Dennis Blair interview, every line is is what Rodney would want in a movie. All one-liners that are terrific. I'll leave you on a couple of other uh, things we got going on. Jungle Cruise came out with my favorite, The Rock. Oh, my God, I'm so sick of this guy. And people get angry at me when I'm like, stop making movies with The Rock. They're like, what are you talking about? He's great. He, uh, it's, just, it's just enough. He's oversaturated. He's in everything. And, and he's dull. For me, I just don't care. I just, I don't know. It's just boring me. And they're, and again, they're Disney making another, you know, theme ride movie. And I was playing some of the uh, theme songs. I mean, you know, who doesn't like the Jungle Cruise when you go to Disney World? It's super fun. I like all those ride songs. I think about them all the time. Remember when you're on the Peter Pan ride at Disney World and this, the song is playing? It's like so... I don't know why it adds to it so much. It's okay, but it's, like, so awesome. You think about it when you go home. Why is that? That right is so stupid, and it's always out of order. But it's so awesome. And what about this one? Our tour begins here in this gallery, where you see paintings of some of our guests as they appeared in their corruptible, mortal state. That's that guy from the Haunted Mansion. It's so funny. It's all just like from the 50s or whatever they were doing it, but it's so iconic, right?
0: And 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 remember,
1: they made that Haunted Mansion movie with Eddie Murphy, and it's goddamn awful. Of course it's awful, because... It's just stupid to make a movie out of a ride. Meanwhile, though, for some reason, Pirates of the Caribbean spawns like six sequels. And I've never seen one of them because, to me, it is unwatchable. But, I mean, there's nothing better than that stupid ride when you're on that boat and all those animatronic things are singing. We're rassals, scarpals,
0: and days, Drink up, behind your we devils and lights really ends, Drink up,
1: I mean, this is so awesome, but this stupid jungle, ju- the, the guy in the paper calls it jungle snooze. <laughs> he says The Rock and Emily Blunt aren't horrible. You know, there's not uh, there's not any chemistry. Of course, they, I don't think they have a kissing scene or anything. But yeah, he says it sucks. Of course it sucks. Uh, uh, they were talking about all the rides they've made. There's one called Mission to Mars, which was Brian De Palma. I, they don't even have the ride anymore. They got rid of it. Obviously, the thing. Then Tomorrowland, which I actually liked. That's what George Clooney, it's not good, but um, I saw that multiple times for some reason. Also, uh, Hugh Laurie, I think, is in it too. And it, it, uh, it was a flop, but I didn't hate it. And then, and then, of course, the stupid Jungle Cruise. And he says, well, at least it's not the country bears, which is um, super hilarious. I mean, super hilarious. So the real Ben and Jerry remember I told you they're not selling to Israel anymore, so everybody hates them, and so they should. But the guys that invented Ben and Jerry's, those two Jewish guys that you know are depicted at City Slickers by uh, who, who's that guy? Ah, uh, oh, that great guy, that actor, uh, I can't think of his name. He's uh, it's going to drive me crazy. Um, but he's in, uh, he plays Larry Sanders publicist and everything. He's been around for years. He's in uh, some new show on Hulu, I think. but Ben Cohn and Jerry Greenfield. Say they're proud Jews and Israel supporters, but they support a freeze on business in Israel's occupied territories, a move many critics call anti-Semitic. Yeah, so they're, for some reason they're supporting that. But there's a guy who owns a Ben and Jerry's on the Upper West Side, and he's saying, I'm giving all, uh, all this money that I'm making off a certain ice cream to Israel, so thank goodness, because he said, you know, business is down. The Upper West Side, Ben and Jerry, who's going to go in there on the Upper West Side? to Ben and Jerry's after they uh, put a ban on selling ice cream to Israel and how the owners are okay with that, even though they have nothing to do with it anymore. How they come out and say something like that is just sad for everybody. Stupid Robin Hood finally went on Nasdaq and they did really bad, so everybody's happy about that because everybody just wants them to go away. They're bags of shits. And again, yesterday, the Post, again, another poll. Remember we were talking about yesterday for Kamala Harris. Another poll, like saying how people hate her. I'm like, what? Who cares? Why are you so obsessed? You're the ones that are obsessed with her. It's really weird. Yeah, I guess that's it. I just the only thing I had on on Thursday that when I you know went to see my mother, I was planning on doing all this extra stuff. I was planning on going grocery shopping in Jersey, and then you know coming back, I was like, all right, I'll do it today. Finally, you know, because I hated it so it's pain in the ass bringing it here, bringing it to the street. Um, and then everybody told me it was going to be a tornado, so I rushed home and. Well, there was one, actually, but it didn't affect me. But everybody got me so nervous that I uh, rushed home. And plus, uh, I don't know, traffic is so back, it's hard to figure out what to do anymore. I'm very confused. Plus, my alignment is off on my wheel, so i got to drop my car off. I think my mother and I are going to switch cars, which for some reason is hilarious. Somebody said, what, what if your mother gets pulled over for all that contraband you have in your van? <laughs> I'm like, I can't think of anything more hilarious. <laughs> I believe that's all I had to say today, but it turned out to be a a long show for somebody that really had nothing to say. That is our show for this week, August 3rd, 2021. I'm saying it as if I'm on a 2020 episode. Uh, Don't don't forget uh, this Thursday, if you are in town, and that's uh, two days from today, if you are on the Upper West Side at the West Side Comedy Club, I will be performing there live with Olga and Jessica Kurson, Joe Mackey, and little Katie Hannigan. And as you know, Billy Joel comes out Tuesdays and Thursdays. Otherwise, I really have absolutely nothing going on, which is good and bad at the same time. But hopefully by September, everything will change. That does tend to happen in the summertime, but who cares? We all have this podcast to look forward to. Isn't this the best? It's the nightfly, everybody. We'll see you next week. Good night! This is where all the crazy place Just when I thought
0: our chance had passed, you go and save the best for last. Sometimes the very thing you're looking for is the one thing you can't see. Sometimes the snow comes down in June. Sometimes.